Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Lucky there, and a one-two off a Manchester United player for Adebayor. Goal! Arsenal! With five minutes to go. They're in the lead for the first time in the league this season. And it's at Old Trafford. There it is. The last time Arsenal won at Old Trafford. 2006, Emmanuel Adebayor scoring in the last five minutes of the game. Of course, that season, Manchester United went on to win the Premier League. Their first title since 2003. And they won three in a row. You can't really see that happening this time around. Will Arsenal get their first win at Old Trafford for the first time in 13 years this evening? The game kicks off shortly in about 57 minutes. We'll have all the updates live for you right here on Love Sport as that game goes on. But right now, it's the Arsenal Fan Show. We're going to preview it. I'm Matt Beadle and I'm here with Dave Seeger from Gunnerstown as per usual. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I I just should add that is in the league. I know we that. Have, but we yes. have beaten Man United. First time in the... Yeah, of course. This, we, we are strictly <laughs> talking about the Premier League. You have since beat them, of course, in the FA Cup. I think it was two, that 2002-03 season when they, they won the league, of course, and then later on with the, the big Danny Welbeck goal, right? Absolutely. 2015. A great night. A, a wonderful night for Arsenal fans, absolutely. I'm just going to read out the team news because it is in. For the visitors, two changes from that win over Aston Villa. We have Leno in goal, of course. Then it's Chambers, Socrates, David Luiz, Kolasinac, Guendouzi, Xhaka, Torreira, Pepe, Aubameyang and Saka. And for United, the home side, David De Gea in goal. No surprises there. Axel Tuanzebi comes in because Aaron Wambasaka misses out. Lindelof, Maguire, Ashley Young, Scott McTominay, Paul Pogba, Pereira, Lingard, James and Rashford. What do you make of the starting lineup for the Gunners, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I think most Arsenal fans are quite surprised that um, Kieran Tierney hasn't travelled at all. Um, I think he came through, you know, the whole uh, the whole game uh, midweek against Forest, and I thought we'd at least be seeing him on the bench. But I'm disappointed about that. Um, other than that, um, I guess the, the the point of question might have been around whether Sabayas would feature. He's on the bench, and uh, it, a, a great nod and a confidence booster for Saka to be selected on the left uh, for the third game in a row. I'm sure Reese Nelson, you know, will be thinking it probably should be him, but Saka's taken his chance. So nice to see Emery rewarding young players who are playing well. That's so, a- yeah, and the, I suppose the other only decision is whether Maitland-Niles was considered fit enough to come back in at right back. But Chambers has done very well the last two games, so uh, he's, he's, he's retained his position. Yeah, Saka's the massive one. Is it a big talking point that Mesut Ozil isn't even in the Arsenal squad tonight? Well, it is on our social media, absolutely. Um, I don't know, you know, you don't know where to go with this anymore. I mean, I think I, I'm starting to ponder whether it's got nothing to do with football reasons. I'm starting to wonder whether it's, you know, since the, the incidents at his house and, and, and with the carjacking, whether it's just a case of, you know, Ozil and his family don't want to be, you know, a, a, apart from each other. He hasn't travelled away barring Watford, um, which is pretty local to London. I'm wondering whether it's it's not football reasons, but... It is a surprise that he's not even on the bench. I certainly didn't expect to see him start, but yeah, I am surprised he hasn't travelled with the side because you know whatever you think about him, he's an experienced player, and uh, I'm sure you know his influence would have been positive even if he wasn't starting. 
do you really think that it's affected him that much then? What's happened at the start of the season, like you said, with the carjacking, with everything that's well, gone on? Well, I didn't on? say, I didn't say necessarily just him, Matt. I think it may be, a, you know, maybe the whole family situation. Um, mm. I've certainly heard that his, his, his wife is, is very keen to leave London. Um, so I don't know whether it's related to that or, or, or whether it's back to last season where, let's face it, Emery didn't seem to trust him. Certainly didn't trust him in the big games away from home. Um, but I thought I thought they'd put that to bed. He played very well in pre-season. Um, he's made him one of his five captains uh, again. And you know, so I thought you know I thought maybe um, that was past it. Uh, we were past that, but maybe we're not. It's really hard to say. I mean, it's only speculation, isn't it? Um, mm. But I don't. What I, what I think we can say with some certainty is that you know he, he doesn't feature you know in, in Arsenal sh- you know short or medium term future right now. Yeah, you mentioned the five captains there. We are going to get on to that later. Yeah. Obviously, the news coming out that Granit Xhaka has been voted by the squad as Arsenal's captain. You've written a great article yourself on Gunners Town. Oh, thank you very much. Not a problem, mate. I thoroughly enjoyed that, <laughs> Reid. Little plug for you there. Um, but with regards to the game itself, listen, a lot is being made of this 13 years. Haven't won there since 2006. Every time Arsenal travelled to Old Trafford in the Premier League, a lot is made of it. You, of course, had some wonderful times before 2006 at Old Trafford in the Premier League. We're going to focus on, in particular, just one clip as well that we have outside of the Premier League. We're going to filter those through as the the show goes on. But I don't think there's a whole lot you can read into the fact that Arsenal haven't won at Old Trafford. Or do you disagree with me? Because you're looking at different managers, you're looking at different squads, different players, different phases in the club's eras. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it is a, it is an indisputable fact that we haven't won there for a long time. But as you say, um, different manager now and a very very different squad um, to recent years. But you know, there have been games when we should have won and we didn't. Um, but you know, Wenger Wenger didn't even seem to be able to get a point up there. To be honest with you, we drew there last year under Emery. So you know, the, certainly this squad you know, shouldn't be shouldn't be apprehensive. It's uh, it's a massive club to go to, but you know we have to be honest and say that Man United, you know, are not in scary form. And you know, if ever there's a time to break the hoodoo, you think you think it would be tonight. Absolutely. Just before we move on to the game, you come into the the clash, I suppose, with good spirits after the win against Aston Villa, the fight back against Aston Villa, and then the midweek win over Nottingham Forest, a great performance, five nil, and particularly for a certain Gabriel Martinelli. I know that you guys and Charlie East in particular, who we're going to speak to shortly, has spoken very highly of Martinelli. Yeah, I mean, we seem to be... Um, I mean, it's not just Arsenal. There's a lot of very good young players coming through at uh, many clubs. I mean, certainly we can look at, across London to Chelsea. Um, but we have... It isn't just Martinelli. We've got a lot of very good young players. I mean, we've already mentioned Saka, but Joe Willock's had a fantastic start of the season, which has earned him a, a bumper new deal at the club, which is, uh, you know, I think, four or five-year deal. Um, we, we, we sort of forget that Maitland-Niles is still quite young. We've got Rob Holden hmm. back in the fold. So, and, and Kieran Tierney himself is very young. So we have a very young squad, but... Martinelli, what was interesting about that performance in midweek was, um, I think really he's a wide striker. He's not um, you know, a sole striker, but he played in that position and, and he scored a cracking header and, and, and his second goal was very well taken. So I, I, it looked to me like you know, he was playing well in a position that probably wouldn't be his first choice. I think you know, he, would, he would rather be playing out on the left. So it's very encouraging when we've got Lacassette injured and, and we've obviously made the decision to allow uh, Eddie Nketiah to go on loan. So it's nice to know that, you know, because I think people were speculating that Pepe might be the one you know would have to play through the middle if we needed uh, the, you know, a stopgap striker, but it looks like it now could be Martinelli, which is very encouraging. 
it kind of harks back, and I know that it's the Carabao Cup and teams, you know, use their strength in depth, they use their squads, yeah, but obviously we got so used to Arsenal essentially having two different teams for the Premier League and kind of the FA Cup and European competition to what they played in the Carabao Cup under Arsene Wenger. And it's yeah. a little bit like that on this occasion, because like you said, when you look at the scorers, Martinelli holding Willock and Nelson, you know, yeah. all young players all appearing. I mean, Holding, of course, is, is going to be more of a first-team player. But it's, and it's Tierney good. and Bellerin came back as well, which is very encouraging. Yeah. But, uh, but it was a very young side, and, and, and we have come a cropper in these sort of games in the past, but these are, these, some of these young players are in and out the first team, whereas in previous years, certainly under Wenger, yes, we had talented youngsters, but they weren't getting anywhere near the Premier League side, and some of them, you know, we build our hopes up about certain young players, don't we? And it, and it never really quite came to fruition, and whether that's because Wenger didn't give them a chance or, or we were just too strong at that time. But, you know, we're, we're not that strong now and I think most of these players who are coming through you know genuinely think they've got a chance of, of staking a claim to play in the first team I mean we've seen Matteo Guendouzi do it last year um, we, you know we've seen Maitland-Niles to a degree do it obviously he's been fortuitous you know because of the injuries to other players but Saka's now you know now it's three games in a row two of those in the Premier League where he started and um, you know Torreira himself is young it's a very young side to be honest with you so I think Willock particularly um, and um, and Martinelli uh, alongside Nelson and Saka all of them think they've got a chance of playing regular first team football and what a fantastic you know environment to be in if that is the case yeah absolutely a lot as well has been spoken about the managers and the build up to this game Dave obviously Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on one side Unai Emery on the other who is this most important for in terms of getting a win tonight? I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure, certainly, well, whether there is pressure within the clubs, there's certainly media pressure on both managers. Um, I think arguably slightly more pressure on Solskjaer um, because he hasn't got a track record behind him before Man United of success. Emery has. He's managed other big clubs. He's, he's won European trophies. So I guess you, know, you, you, you might... You might think Arsenal will give him a little bit more time to to turn it around, but the the pressure on Man United when you're one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, Arsenal are a big club, of course they are, but Man United are you know one of the two or three biggest clubs in the world, and the pressure that comes with that, particularly given you know the success over such a sustained period under Ferguson, it doesn't seem to the, to be they can get it right. I personally, my, my view is that they need to be starting to do what I think we're finally starting to do, which is get a structure. I know Dickie Lee was talking about it on the breakfast show, but, you know, we've we brought in Edu now. You know, we, we've got we've got Raul Sanelli bringing in players. We, we, have a, we have a management structure, if you like, or board structure above the manager or the coach. I think I think Woodward isn't that man, and I think it's maybe maybe I hate to say it, Mourinho was speaking a few truths at the end of last season, and, and Solskjaer, you know, has walked into not a cracking environment. So I think it's belt and braces needs changing at Man United, and I, I think they need to get their identity back. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, whether he'll be given time to do that or, or whether they need someone other than Woodward, who's obviously a good businessman, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure he's a football man. Mm, I can't believe you've just potentially kind of given some credit to Jose Mourinho there, Dave. I know, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. But, I mean, I'm not knocked credit to him as a coach in recent years, but, you know, it, it, it is obvious that. There is not something, you know. There's something not quite right, you know. Um, when when a club like Man United is failing to sign players that they go after, not just once or twice, but on a regular basis, then something's not right, you know. It, it was the case. It's always been the case, you know. Even if you weren't winning the league, that you know, it was Old Trafford. It was Man United. If they came calling, you went in the same way that Real Madrid would probably be above them in the pecking order. But there doesn't seem to be that attraction. 
um, which which is a concern for Man United. I don't actually care. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you obviously do care about your beloved Arsenal. And after that three-game winless run, Liverpool, Tottenham and Watford came back and beat Aston Villa. There's an opportunity now, isn't there? Because if you do get a result tonight, it's then Bournemouth at home. I know Bournemouth flying relatively high for their standards so far in this Premier League, but that's at the Emirates. You then go away to Sheffield United yeah. and host Crystal Palace before yeah. hosting Wolves. There's an opportunity, isn't there, to, to get a three or four game winning streak going? Yeah, we have got, I think we've got three out of four games at home. And then we, after those ones, the ones you mentioned, I think we get Leicester, which could be interesting because mm. they're obviously doing very well at the moment. But certainly, yeah, you, you, you know, you, if we can win tonight, it gives us a great springboard for those next games. And, and you know, we, we, we could easily be, you know, uh, in the top three or four quite comfortably after that. And, and, and let's hope that's the case. But, you know, he's good. He's, I mean, I think the, he's, we're not going to see it tonight, but I, I think Arsenal, Arsenal and Emery will be, you know, measured and judged when we've got all those players back in the side. When Tierney, Bellerin and Holding are playing regularly, then there's nowhere to hide for me. I mean, you know, he, he needs to, he needs to sort of, understand what his best team is he needs to play it more regularly certainly he needs to get a structure I mean we wanted Wenger to change and, and, and change teams now and again uh, and not be so rigid you know Emery seems to be going the other way no one no one seems to know exactly what his favourite formation or favourite style is and I think when he's got most of his players fit including these cracking defenders we've got coming back then that's the time to judge us and, and that's going to be in the next few weeks as you say Indeed it is. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. We're going to be speaking to Dave's Gunnerstown cohort. Charlie East next. Love Sport. Oh, it's over, Mars. He's done it this time. Arsenal have scored a Premiership goal at Old Trafford and it could well be a winning goal in this match and a double over United this season. Indeed, it was a double over Manchester United that season. The 3-2 win at Highbury followed up with that 1-0 win at Old Trafford. Mark Overmars scoring the goal. And eventually, the Gunners, of course, winning the double in that 97-98 season. Dave Seeger, that celebration from the fan in the crowd. Do you know that guy? No, no, I don't know if Charlie does. I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> I always wonder because it's become I'm, very famous, though, isn't it? I, I imagine he probably became a bit of a celebrity within Arsenal fans after that. This is, of course, the Arsenal fan show. I should say on Love Sport Radio with the guys from Gunnerstown, and we're now joined by Charlie East, Dave Seeger's Gunnerstown cohort, who is in Manchester as we speak, ready to cheer the troops on. Charlie, how are you doing? Good afternoon, guys. Good evening. How are you? Good, mate. Oh, it's, it's a bit, I was expecting it to be a bit louder, a bit more raucous. I really can because it's absolutely smashing it down, but I'm literally <laughs> about to get out. <laughs> it is bucking it down. Is it really? Crikey. OK, well, you'd expect that, I suppose, in Manchester. Chaps, I just want to quickly read a tweet to you before we move on. And that tweet's from David Seaman, who, before the game, about an hour ago, said, I can't remember a game between Man United and Arsenal that went so little towards the Premier League title like the one tonight. A bit harsh, David. <laughs> but I guess, in a sense, I mean, he's, got, he's, he's kind of making a lot of sense. I suppose one that springs out in my mind was when the two met towards the end of the, I think it was the... 0405 season, which was Jose Mourinho's first season when Chelsea were streets ahead. But mm. I suppose he's kind of right. It's, when you look at the two teams, they're not really, well, we know, they're probably not going to challenge for the title this season. Well, that's been the case for the last two or three years. Yeah, I suppose so. Charlie, what's what's the atmosphere like out there? Is it is it growing? Can you feel it? Are you pumped? 
to be fair, I mean, uh, I'm looking at the two teams, and I'm totally honest with you. We, I think we can more than capable of getting a result up here, but it's just it's just Arsenal. We never feel confident with us, do you, up here? In terms no of... What, in terms of the starting lineup, mate, what what are you making of those who have come in? Two changes from last week. Um, it's what I expected, to be fair. I think um, obviously we don't want to go too gun ho, but start off with a bit of freaking bit of license, do what they want to do. Um, I'm glad Torreira's back. Massive, massive. We needed him there, and I, I know Jackie gets a lot of stick and stuff, but he he looks at a much better player when Torreira's alongside him. So, I mean, well, my I, concern, I my concern, Charlie, is that when they even when they played together this season. Emery seems to be asking Shaka to be the deeper player of the, when, when there's a three in the Torreira has been more advanced on the right. I think most of the fan base, you and me included, probably would rather it was the other way around, wouldn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I would, yeah. But I don't know. I think we, need to, we can't let's get sound right. We're playing Manchester United away. No matter what form they're in, this is always a tough game. We've not won up there for 12, 13 years, whatever it is. So we have to be quite wary to start with, and we've got to keep it tight. So back out the midfield. They're going to have a go at us, you know. I'm not going to sit back and just accept us to attack us. But I'm glad to see Saka starting as well. I think that's just a bit of an unknown quality that we've got, like with Rashford a few years ago. Hopefully, he could put himself on the mark tonight. Yeah, indeed. He's the youngest player. He's, he's, I think he's the youngest player. Yeah, to see that, yeah. Uh, ever to, ever to make his debut at Old Trafford, or ever to play at Old Trafford for Arsenal. Oh, wow. Well, I think it's to start this fixture. You know, to start this fixture at home or away, right? Yeah. So we got a tune in for him, don't I? He can have no pressure and just uh, just have a go really, don't I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the back line as well, gents, obviously Axel Tuanzebi coming in for Aaron Wambasaka. So you've got Tuanzebi at right back. You've got Ashley Young at left back, Harry Maguire and Lindelof in the middle. You'll think that Emery may look at that back line in particular with Aubameyang and Pepe and think, crikey, do you know what? We can infiltrate that. The only thing that's not worrying me that Tuanzebi, whatever his name is, but... It's quite, it's quite strong, isn't it? Saka is quite young. He's, he's a bit more pacey. I wonder if maybe physically, I know like Saka would probably want to maybe rather play against someone like Wayne, but Saka is a bit more pacey and a bit more. In. So we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, I've said to people all week this week, I think this is a game where Pepe is going to announce himself to the Premier League. Right? So, Charlie, you, nice. you think that, that Pepe would have rather played against someone more pacey? Is that what you're saying there? No, 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 I'm saying Saka rather than... It's like Saka's going to left, Pepe on the right. So Saka's going to be up against... Um, I can't pronounce He's a bit of a lump, he's a bit a- of a... Axel Tuanzebi. He's, I mean, yeah, he's not so really he's, a lump. I wouldn't call him a lump. I'd say he's a, you know... He's, he's, he's a, quite he's, strong, though, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, you think, you think uh, Wamba Saka's a bit more sort of pacey, a bit more direct. But I don't know. Who knows? We've just got to make sure that we can... Oh, I think he's gone. Yeah, we, we just got to on the front foot. We got, we really got to just uh, have a go here today. Don't, don't sort of give these too much respect. Because he's speaking to United fans up here. None of them fancy it. None of them. Is that is that right, Charlie? So you're, you're speaking to yeah, United fans, and they're not they're not hopeful. They're, uh, they're, pre- they're pretty worried today, to be fair. But every Arsenal fan you speak to don't fancy either. So. Incoming <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to the uh, oh god, a mental block? What's that? What's the uh, England left back? Um, Luke Shaw. Shaw. Yeah, where's Shaw? I thought Shaw was going to be fit for this game. No, no, no. Yeah, he's no. still still on the injury table. So it, I mean, it's a problem for United. Their defence in particular. I mean, listen. There's been a lot of plaudits about Victor Lindelof over the past 
18 months or so, I still don't think that he's quite right to be a centre-back for Manchester United or a top, no, top, top-level centre-back. Harry Maguire has come in and seamlessly slotted into that, that back four. He is quite clearly a class player. But like I said, Tuan Zabi has played well on loan at Aston Villa. We know that he's got the ability, but Ashley Young, of course, again, a solid player. But when he's coming up against the likes of Pepe, who we've already seen can be tricky and actually young we know when he comes up against a tricky customer yeah. you tend to see a foul or a yellow card coming up it's a yellow card waiting to happen yeah, yeah what's it, what, what, do we think that Solskjaer's taking a bit of a gamble here because he's either hidden it very well and these players are fit or he's taking a little bit of a gamble with Pogba and Rashford who aren't fully fit because he has to I mean, all the talk was of Mason Greenwood playing and suddenly he's not and Rashford is. And yet we were all led to believe that Rashford was not going to be fit for this game. And so the same with Pogba. Even this afternoon, they were saying he was unlikely to play and suddenly both are playing. Is he gambling here? I don't know whether it's lip service, Dave, or whether it was mind games throughout the week. I'm not 100% well, it's sure. it's one or the other, isn't it? Yeah, I absolutely. Mean... And I think we'll soon be able to tell. Look, Paul Pogba played against Rochdale in the week didn't look a quarter of the player we know he can be. But, you know, you'd argue that he hasn't looked a quarter of the player we know he can be in the Premier League for times <laughs> this season. So yeah. you don't know. that. I think the difficult thing for United fans is that as things stand, you do not know what Paul Pogba is going to turn up. And that's a really, really difficult thing because when you've got your, your, your midfield linchpin and you don't know what's going to happen. And look, you look at the charismatic players over the years, your marquee, Paul Gascoigne, Eric Cantona, sometimes they could be out of the game, but you knew they would always be planning something where they're going to impact it. With Paul Pogba, you just think, is he actually that bothered? And you just you just don't know. So I think it's very difficult to tell what will happen with Pogba. I think we'll, we'll know after about 10, 15 minutes. Marcus, and he's playing against the player who's, who's after his French, his French shirt. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. In the squad. Yeah. You know, right, right. I mean, he's, to be me, at the end of last season, I think Guendouzi was a bit tired. And, and I think some Arsenal fans were losing patience with him. They forgot how good he was at the start of the season. This season, certainly two games, the second half against Aston Villa and the second half against Tottenham, he has single-handedly pulled that team up by the, you know, the scruff of the neck and, and led them back into the game. For such a young player, I don't know if Charlie agrees with that, he's just been, you know, he's immense. He's just so much energy and so much will to win. Oh, indeed. Charlie's actually uh, off the line now, David. I think he's finally trotted himself into the ground, probably supping on that first <laughs> pint as we speak. But yeah, Gwendu- for me, watching Gwendouzi as well, and I think last last weekend against Aston Villa, at times, obviously, in the first half, he was off the pace somewhat. Yeah, he but didn't track the mark. He, he didn't track, he didn't track the, market, the marker, but it really showed for me. And listen, I'm not comparing him to uh, Patrick Vieira but I think winning that penalty was a real I'm going to take this um, yeah. I'm going to take this by the scruff of the neck and I'm going to drive into that penalty area and I'm going to I mean he didn't plan to win a penalty but obviously he won the penalty as a result and I think that showed great maturity beyond his years Yeah no I think well I just think Emery loves him um, and, and he's as I said in my piece on, on, on Xhaka I, I just he's got he's got five very good Good players, all slightly different, competing for potentially two or three places, depending on on how he structures the side. Because what we don't know, looking at that lineup tonight, I mean, on paper you think, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a four three three again. But he could easily put put Gwendouzi in a ten role. Because if you remember last year, you know he didn't he doesn't play a passing ten; he plays a pressing ten. And when Ramsey played that position a lot at the beginning of last season, and then before he got injured when he got back in the team, he was playing an advanced midfield role, not a passing ten, but that just putting pressure on the back line all the time, being far advanced. Gwen Doozy can easily do that job. So you know, that'll be interesting to see at the start of the game, whether it is obviously a 4-3-3 or whether it actually is a 4-2-3 with Gwen Doozy sort of having licence um, to, you know, to press through the middle. be interesting to see. 
he, you, he can certainly do that job. Do you think that's potentially where this game could be won and lost? I know that's a really easy argument to present before a football match and people always say, well, of course it could be won and lost in the midfield. But in this particular contest, if Pogba doesn't turn up, and like you said, almost a pretender to his throne in Gwendouzi does, that could yeah. be a massive influence on the game. I really do think that. And also, I think McTominay is, is probably been your most consistent, I mean, Man United's most consistent player this season. But, still largely untested in big games. And I think Lingard, although he does tend to turn up against Arsenal, hasn't had a great, well, he hasn't had a great 2019, really. He's probably lost his, he's well down the pecking order in a short space of time for England now. And he's not, you know, he's not, by no means a certain starter for Man United. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that is, you know, you've got wily old heads like Matic and, and, and Matter who aren't playing. Um, and you've got, you know, two young heads and, and a potentially you know injured superstar. So yeah, definitely, it, it, that's definitely the game can be won or lost in centre midfield. And another midfielder we're going to get onto next is Granit Xhaka. He has been given the captaincy this week, supported by his fellow players, of course, in addition to his manager Unai Emery. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. This is Love Sport. Well, maybe that's carrying sympathy too far from the referee. And look what's happened as a result of it. Look at this. This is disgraceful. It's a free-for-all. And how will the referee be able to sort it all out? Alec Ferguson has had to come from the bench to try and intervene to restore some order. This is, this is the Arsenal fan show on Love Sport. I'm Matt Beadle, joined by Dave Seeger from Gunnerstown. Dave, that particular clip there, October 1990, the 20. 20- to 21-man brawl, I should say. Just one player who weren't, wasn't involved in that brawl. Do you remember who the player was? David Seaman. Yeah, of course, David Seaman. <laughs> deciding to stay on his goal line and not get involved in that fracas. I mean, that particular incident, what are your memories of that and obviously the repercussions that came? Oh, crikey. I, I mean, uh, the actual incident, I, I think it was from memory, it was to do with Ander, Anders Limpar. Was it was. Out, wasn't he? And, it was Limpar and, 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 and Irwin. But certainly, I remember Brian McClare being heavily involved and... Uh, it, it, I mean, obviously, it was a little, uh, to a degree, it was handbags at dawn, but obviously both clubs were fined for not controlling their players. And in Man United's case, I think it was only a point. Uh, but in Arsenal's case, it was two points. And, of course, in those days, it was two points for a win, wasn't it? So it was actually, you know, it was actually been... Uh, yeah, I think I think it's still two points. But I think it hadn't changed. To three I, I think I think it had gone to three points by by that point. Yeah, and I think that it's the two points. It's funny because I, I don't think we've had a scenario similar to that where a club has actually been docked. It was it was unprecedented at the time. It set a precedent which hasn't been repeated since. And crazily, you know, I think it was fifty grand for each each side. We spoke about it in the Man United fan show last night, and the fact that yes, United were docked one, Arsenal were docked two. I think Arsenal were docked two because they'd had previous in a game not so long before, but still to be docked two points and actually continue and go on to win the league. I think it was just one game you lost that season, wasn't it? Yeah, only just uh, Stamford Bridge. Yeah, and that's only well, we had at the time Tony Adams was was um, otherwise indisposed. Um, Steve Bold was injured in the game, and we ended up playing the second half. I think with Andy Lilligan and David Hillier in, in central defence, and we still came back from two 0 down to two one, and nearly got an equaliser. So yeah, that was uh, the almost invincible season. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it was we, because we came on a, on a massive run at the end from a long way behind to sort of to, to overtake Liverpool to win the league. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing season. Man United weren't really at that time; they weren't obviously a challenger, were they? It was very much. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool's domination and Arsenal just starting to challenge back then. It was a few years before 
Ferguson's Man United came to the fore. <laughs> yeah, it was. Weirdly, that was when I first started watching football as a youngster. I remember thinking, is this just the way it was? Because yeah. Liverpool won it in 88, you won it in 89, Liverpool won it in 90, you won it in 91. I thought, oh, is that just what happens in English football? It just goes <laughs> Arsenal-Liverpool, <laughs> Arsenal-Liverpool. But yeah. yes, and of course, you played United on the final day of that season as well. We're going to move on now. You mentioned the midfield before the ads and you wrote an article this week on your Gunnerstown blog very good about Granite Xhaka being named captain and chosen by the squad there's just a few things I'm going to read out first and foremost before we get into it and these are the quotes firstly from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who has spoken about the fact that they did vote Granite Xhaka in and he said I think he's an important guy in the club he's a guy who everybody can learn about him he's a strong guy I know that he had a bad moment but we're here for him if he's captain today, it's because he deserves it. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too overwhelming for me. Am I reading too much into that? No, I don't think that sounds like an overwhelming vote of confidence, to be honest. I, I mean, I don't... Well, there's two things. Well, there's more than two things. There's multiple things that I think is wrong with this. Um, if, if the manager decides to, to help get help in choosing the club captain by asking the players to vote, I don't agree with it, but that's fine. There's no reason for that to be made public. You know that 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 for me, you know, when you've got a, a manager who's under pressure, the, the the team don't have a you know an identity as such, and we're not firing all cylinders. Why give the media more ammunition to have a you know have a look at you and, and scrutinise what you're doing further? So if you do it, that's fine. I didn't see any reason for it to be made public. You know, he should just be announcing his captain. The whole thing went on too long. Oh, it's five. Oh, I haven't chosen my five. Oh, it's going to be next month, and then oh, I'm going to ask the players to help me make the decision. The whole thing just screams weakness to me, sadly. And I want, trust me, I want to like Unai Emery. <laughs> I want him to succeed. I've got no axe to grind. I'm certainly, I'm certainly not uh, asking for him to, 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 to go. But I just think it's just not strong management, really not strong management. So that's one factor. The other thing that concerns me, and I know it's modern football's changed and it's not about blood and thunder. It's not about having a leader who's going to scream at players. I understand all that. But I still, I still would like to know that choosing my captain is not going to compromise my team. And I just think he is not a guaranteed starter for me. He's a very good player. Um, he's got lots of attributes, um, but he's also got a lot of weaknesses. And I don't really, you know, I don't really want my manager to feel that he has to select someone um, because he's made him captain if it's not right for the team. So that begs the next question: Will be, you know, if he's club captain and it's, you know, and he's happy to be rotated, and that's what's been discussed, then that will come out, and that's fine. You know, if that's the case, I can deal with it. Um, but then you need a strong vice captain, not four other captains. You know, we have, and unfortunately, we've had this situation recently with, on many occasions. Uh, Wenger did it with Marlon. He seemed an obvious candidate. He made him captain, and then his form didn't justify a selection of the team. We then It was obvious that Koscielny and Mertesacker was a partnership, and then for Marlon's club captain, he never gets in the side. He only plays in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the League Cup. Um, and then the following season, OK, Arteta gets promoted, and then he gets injured, and he never plays and doesn't get back in the side when he's fit, and Mertesacker's the captain when, in fact, he's the vice-captain. So we had this cycle over two or three years where it was always happening. So, And then we've had, last year, we had five captains. So I just want, I just want one captain and one vice-captain, um, and we all know who they are, but maybe I'm just too old-fashioned, Matt, you tell me. No, I don't think you are at all, and I think the point you make, Dave, about weakness is, is really key, and being under that microscope, and Emery himself 
said, you know, we are living all the time under pressure, under criticism as coaches, as players, Mm. as a club. We discussed this before the captaincy was announced a couple of months ago and made the point that you are under criticism. You are under the microscopes, constant scrutiny. This is something that you didn't have to create a big issue with. Just name your captain. But it's been built up into such a big story that what it's done is is brought more pressure onto Unai Emery as a result, that we are now talking about it and questioning his methods, questioning whether the right man has been chosen. It just feels like this whole thing could have been avoided. Yeah. No, I really, I mean, I really believe that. And uh, as I say, I don't necessarily um, have a problem with Granit Xhaka being the club captain if, if, if there's an understanding that, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to have to play every week. And if they've discussed that and agreed that, and that's fine. But then, who's the vice-captain? Who's the vice captain? He's got four. You know, it, we, we we can't have that. You know, we knew it was Mertesacker and Koscielny. We knew it was Bamal and Arteta. We knew it was Arteta, and there was always two. And if one wasn't playing, the other one would be. And you knew where you stood, and they were both senior players. I, I just think sometimes I, sometimes you do need that. What, what Gwen Doozy did in those two games, and we were spoiled. Don't get me wrong. We did have Tony Adams. We did have Patrick Vieira. And to be fair, despite the way he left the club, we did have Seth Fabregas. And in all those three players, I, I've seen on many occasions instances where the chips were down, we weren't winning or we were drawing, or we needed to win or, or, we, or, or we were getting you know, defeated. And I've seen individual club captains turn games on its head. Now, maybe that shouldn't just be the captain's role. But if your leader is that man in the trenches with you who's going to G you all on and, and lead by example and talk to you and all those things then that's what you need, isn't it? And, uh, and when you haven't got a team full of obvious leaders, then, then you need it even more. You know, you could argue back in those days, we had eight or nine potential captains in our side. And, and I'm sure when Roy Keane was captain or Gary Neville, Man United could have said the same. Neither team can say the same now. Um, you know, and Man City, Man City, yes, David Silva, he doesn't have to play, but they've got, again, six or seven potential captains. Arsenal don't have that. They don't have that squad. They don't have that seniority. They don't have that experience at the moment. So it was. A, I think it's a critical decision, and I'm, you know, I'm just not convinced it's the right one. Forgive me if I've missed this, Dave. In amongst what you were saying, but who would be your favourite choice as captain? Well, I think it'd be too soon for him now because he's not back in the side. But my personal choice would be would be um, Hector Bellerin. You know, I mean, oh. he's, he's one of our longest-serving players. He's guaranteed guaranteed starter every single week if he's fit and he's a fantastic spokesperson in more than just football he has a presence about him people listen when he talks and he's a fantastic footballer uh, and so you know for me it would be him the other candidate the other obvious candidate is Rob Holding when he's fit and plays because I, I, I guess also I wanted a decision that could be a decision that would take us for the next three or four years of a cycle not because I don't think I just genuinely don't think Granit Xhaka is going to be at Arsenal next season. Do you not? Well, not when you see the the emergence of Torreira and and Willock and Guendouzi, they, their ceilings are higher. They just obviously are, um, and you know that that they might be younger, but they're not playing like kids. You know, Guendouzi and Torreira are both in their second season. They've both got high ceilings. I think Willock. He's just been given a four-year deal, so the club obviously believe that you know he, he's got a, a role to play. I don't know whether Sabayas will be here next year, but you know I just think it's not it's not necessarily a long-term decision, and I would have liked to, you know, a long-term decision to be made because I think we need that stability. Indeed. Well, moving back, moving our attentions back, sorry, to the game itself tonight. I mm-hmm. just want to touch on the rivalry, Dave, because this is something, of course, we had the clip earlier. Perhaps that brawl in October '90. 
instigated yeah. somewhat the rivalry that then we saw between United and Arsenal, which really flared up when Arsene Wenger obviously came in in the late 90s and carried on into the early and mid-noughties. It has subsided somewhat now. Do you still have the fire in your belly that you used to have when Arsenal played United? Um, no. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, that's not a slight against Arsenal or Man United. I think, you know, we were both, as you said, touched on previously, we were the two top sides. We were fighting every single season for every single trophy together. Um, there, there really weren't three or four sides in it back then. Um, we emerged um, under Wenger to challenge Ferguson's domination. And we had two magnificent squads over a period of, probably six or seven years, maybe from 97 through to 2006, so maybe, maybe nine years of, of, of intense rivalry, which, you know, until, until Abramovich and Chelsea's millions arrived. So it's, it's, it's hugely intense. And, I, you know, with Arsenal, there's Tottenham and there's Man United. Obviously, with Man United, there's Leeds and there's Man City and there's Arsenal. But, you know, there's local rivalries. But I think that, that rivalry was born of, you know, intense rivalry for honours rather than any sort of tradition or, or history. I think it was just the two best teams with two sets of very, very strong characters. It was a brilliant rivalry as well, wasn't it? I, I, yeah, d- I don't think we're ever going to see the likes of that again. I know people point to towards Liverpool and Chelsea maybe or you know Liverpool and City now, but the ferociousness of that Keane versus Vieira, et cetera, et cetera, Wenger versus well, I think Ferguson. Also, I think also, Matt, football's changed in that the tackles that were going in, you know, when it was, you know, even before that, I mean, when it was Souness and, and those sort of players, right through to when it was Vieira and Keane, that, that sort of midfield general. But those tackles that went in, they are just not allowed anymore. So, I mean, I, if I look back at the, the treatment, for example, that Juan Antonio Reyes got from the Neville brothers mm. over a couple of seasons, I mean, some of the tackles that went in, in that, in, actually in the Pizzagate game, you know, um, when, when we were obviously the better team and Man United were just trying to stop us playing, um, some of the tackles were horrendous. And I, don't, I, th- I think a lot of those tackles that were probably, some of them weren't even yellows back then, would be straight reds today. And so I guess, I guess that's fundamentally changed as well, hasn't it? Yeah, indeed it has. And of course, we must mention the treatment of Van Nistelrooy as well in 2003-04. But that's far <laughs> yeah. too cliche because everybody's talking about that one. But probably uh, the the moment where it really sort of came to a head, I suppose, the last great moment between United and Arsenal. Of course, there was the FA Cup in 2005. But that one, that was the last real, real top, top moment of that rivalry. Dave, it's been nothing but a pleasure having you on. I'm going to finish with a prediction. And before I get there... Just, uh-huh. a, well, just a word on, on Aubameyang. We've talked about him, the fact that he scored 13 in his last 13 Premier League starts. However, he's failed to score or provide an assist in all eight Premier League away appearances against sides from the top six. Good job. United are 11th then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say, when you're talking about the top six, you are talking about the traditional top six, yeah, I assume. Yeah, yeah. What, it, what it used well, to be, is, I suppose. He is on fire, and, and, and I think... I think it was, this is another test of Emery. In a couple of weeks' time, when Lacazette's fit, I'm very, very intrigued to see what he does. Because for me, nothing should change. Lacazette should be on the bench, and he should rotate with Aubameyang like he did at the start of last season. I think wedging Pepe, Lacazette and Aubameyang into the side is, is, is appealing in some senses because they are our two go-to, go-to goal scorers, and they obviously like playing with each other. But I just think we're a lesser side when Aubameyang's playing from the left, and I think that's been proven this season. You know, when he's through the middle, he's just a handful, and he stepped up. You know, back in the last season, Europa League semi-final, 
when he just stepped up and he, it was an Henri-esque performance. And he doesn't seem to have looked back from that. I think last year, over the season, a lot of fans, oh, Lacassette does so much more for the team. He drops deep, he links play. Aubameyang just, you know, plays off the shoulder and, and doesn't really get involved. Well, he has since then. And, he, and, he, and I think he's undroppable, to be honest. And I don't really want to see him back on the left. And a score prediction uh, from you, mate. I said 2-1 um, yesterday on the fans forum and I'm going to stick with 2-1 to the Arsenal. Lovely stuff. Dave, thank you for joining us, bud. Go and enjoy the game. All right, matey. Thank you. See you soon. Cheers. That was Dave Seeger from Gunnerstown. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. Next, we're going to be hearing an opposition view with Mark Flanagan. Love Sport. Indeed, it does not get more conclusive than that. That was Martin Tyler. All these clips, bar one, coming from Sky Sports this evening. The brawl from October 1990 coming from the heady days of Granada TV. But yes, that was the 2001-2002 campaign when Arsenal did not lose a game in the Premier League following a defeat to Newcastle on December the 18th. A quite phenomenal run that included 13 games winning on the bounce towards the end of the campaign. They, of course, went to Old Trafford on the penultimate game of the campaign, four days after winning the FA Cup against Chelsea to complete the double, which they succeeded in doing at Old Trafford. Quite a humiliating evening for the boys from Manchester. This is the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport, and now I am joined by our Northwest correspondent, Mark Flanagan. Mark, you were on last night for the United show, but we didn't really have a chance because we were talking so much about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his future at the club to chat about the game tonight. I know, it's um, overshadowing it, isn't it? It's uh, so much scrutiny on Ole, and obviously he's picked a very interesting team uh, for tonight's game at Old Trafford, and he, he looks like he's going for it. Um, only McTominay and... Um, Pogba kind of as holding with, with Lingard and Pereira and James and Rashford. It's, um, I suspect it's going to be fairly open. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you make of that starting lineup? Because listen, again, we're just going to, we're going to repeat pretty much what we tend to say every time when we discuss Manchester United that he's going for it. He's kind of chosen an attacking lineup. And as a Manchester United fan, that's what you want to see. It is an attacking lineup, but but the big problem is that the, the four players, the sort of the uh, Pereira, Rashford, um, Lingard, and Pogba, haven't scored very many goals from open play at all. I think they've only got two uh, in open play, open play between them in the, in you know since I think it go, going back to sort of March time. So it, on paper it seems quite attacking, but you've got a lot of guys in there who are short of confidence um, in front of goal, and obviously that's. United's Achilles heel at the moment and um, their great record against Arsenal is one that I think um, a lot of fans will cling to and, and they're used to seeing Arsenal sort of fold at Old Trafford. Um, Arsenal's defence aren't great. Um, the, the sort of better defenders haven't come in. Holding's not playing. Um, Bellerin's not playing. Tierney's not playing. So that'll give United fans a bit more hope because with Louise and um, Socrates in the middle uh, you've always got a fancy chances of getting uh, at least one goal and 
United are desperate to score at least one goal because it's so it's happened so infrequently over the last few months. Mm. And and personnel, you mentioned the fact that Arsenal have tended to crumble at Old Trafford in recent seasons. Well, since mm-hmm. 2006, we can say. But I do think... Adebayor. Adebayor, <laughs> yes, last five minutes of the game. We remember it well. Of course, United went on to win the title that season and then followed it up with three in a row. The heady days yeah. under Sir Alex Ferguson, which we won't go back to because it's all a bit too upsetting. But the personnel of Arsenal has changed quite considerably in the past four or five seasons, I suppose you could say. And... One particular game that stands out for me, I think, was the 2015-16 season. And that was brought to my attention yesterday with Arsenal fan John Moody, who came onto the line and said that Mm. after Arsenal had beaten Leicester City 2-1 at the Emirates, the season that Leicester went on to win the league, that was Mm. the moment that Arsenal really had an opportunity to go ahead and, and sustain their title push. And in the next game, they lost to Old Trafford. And what was quite pivotal about that clash was Marcus Rashford, of course, stepping up to the plate and bagging a brace after he'd bagged his first goals for the club in the week against FC Michelin in the Europa League. He's back in the starting lineup tonight. I'm quite surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, it was an indication, was it? It was going to be a five-week layoff. Yeah. Um, and, and there was no talk of him even having a chance. I and mean, we were led to believe that Martial was going to come back quicker. So the good news is, obviously, it wasn't a, a serious injury. Um, you do worry slightly, though, that, that he may have been rushed back too quickly. Um, likewise with Pogba, really, and I think that central midfield area is going to be critical with Torreira and Genduzzi buzzing around them. Um, I, I do fear that um, Pogba and, and McTominay are just going to get slightly overrun in that area. Um, Lingard tends to disappear from out of the game for long periods. He, he, you know, he's a quick lad and he can make good runs, but positionally and, and kind of football IQ. I, I just don't think he's got quite got it. And um, he'll he'll need to have a big game to support McTominay and Pogba because it's it's going to be a big ask um, coping with those sort of quick, nimble players that Arsenal have got. Yeah, we keep saying it, you know, seven games in, but this is a massive game for Manchester United. Perhaps not so much for Arsenal, but a huge game for United. And I, I mentioned this tweet to the guys earlier on from the Arsenal, from the Gunnerstown uh, podcast. And they did say, you know, they were quite surprised by it. But David Seaman has come out and tweeted and said, I can't remember a game between United and Arsenal that meant so little towards the Premier League title like the one tonight. There's also the idea that back in the day, this was Roy Keane v Patrick Vieira as the two captains mm. of the clubs. Today, it's Ashley Young v Granit Xhaka. Such a difference, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's a great way of showing the comparison in terms of, you know, they were so dominant for so long, the two clubs. Um, and, 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 you know, in a sobering fact that if, if Man United lose, they will be in the bottom half of the table, um, you know, ahead of a, a game at Newcastle uh, before the international break, uh, which leaves them miles away from, um, you know, the, the, the title challenge and, it's a, it's you know, it's a sad state to look at that on eight points after seven games if that's how it transpires. But then the flip side, if they win, they shoot up the table and you know the it's quite wide open for the top four, um, and that's got to be the priority for United this season. They've just got to get back in that top four by hook or by crook, and obviously talk of signing a striker at Christmas, um, and talk of um, his name's just escaped me, um, Juventus. Allegri, the guy. Sorry, Mandzukic, sorry. Yeah, oh, Mandzukic. Sorry. Mandzukic right. Yeah, yeah, Mandzukic, talk of Mandzukic coming in. And I think that wouldn't be a bad option in the short term because they do need someone with a proven pedigree who's, who's clever and, and, and can help Rashford because um, interesting to see how Rashford goes. He's looked 
like a fish out of water playing in, in that number nine role so far. And, you know, so many players need a big game. It's, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, just thinking about how many, how many of those players have got a lot to prove and let's, let's, let's hope, um, let's show a bit of character tonight. I think that's, that's critically important for, themselves and to give the fans a boost as well yeah it is just watching the players come out now Jesse Lingard the last of those to come out he's actually scored more goals against Arsenal than any club for United four in total it is absolutely bucketing it down Mm. at Old Trafford it's kind of like one of those clashes of old of Old Trafford absolutely steaming it down with rain Mark before you go I've got to get a score prediction from you I know we discussed it yesterday but now the team's out and the players are ready to kick off it's going to kick off in about four minutes time what are your hopes um, I'm going to go big on a on a three three. I think there's going to oh. be a lot of goals. Even even though United have struggled with the pitch and everything else, um, I fancy a free kick for United as well. I fancy a couple of goal, a couple of goalkeeping errors. I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff happening tonight. It's going to be eventful. A six goal thriller from Mark Flanagan. Mark, thank you for joining us. <laughs> no problem. Cheers, Matt. That was Mark Flanagan, and this was the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.